You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hey, hey. Welcome back, Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? And that's it. I guess summer slow. Well, on this episode, we'll talk uh, more uh, hill climb, coke racing. We'll talk about uh, lots of hardware stuff. And, of course, we're going to wrap up our Grid Finder iRacers Lounge podcast uh, paint uh, festival, as we call it. And we'll pick a winner today on the show. Also, don't forget that you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products that we discuss by visiting irisersloungecom and selecting show notes. We hope to see you there. GridFinder 2.0 is bigger and better than ever with more ways to narrow your search for your next sim racing league. Featuring over 1,000 leagues from over 25 racing sims across every platform, your place on the grid is just a couple clicks away Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com First time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at a turn four to his first win in the E-NASCAR peak in and the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nick Garillo. Gonna look to the bottom, it is not gonna be enough, and Ryan Luza is gonna go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. Let's talk Coke racing at Michigan with none other than Evan Pasoko. Hey. Well, tell you what, uh, how about an exciting way to end uh, our regular season, right? Uh, it was no Daytona, but, uh, you know, we kind of had an idea that Michigan could be uh, quite an exciting race. And uh, I think it really lived up to the billing. If you didn't tune in on Tuesday, you certainly missed out. Let's talk some housekeeping before the race. Uh, Interestingly, I got a push notification from NASCAR, the NASCAR app, about the Coke race. And I thought that was freaking cool that, you know, NASCAR is just like literally promoting it as their own event. Um, And then the three different scenarios you had for the playoffs, uh, we talked about that pre-show where all the different, you know, oh, he's got to win and this person can't, can't do this or that and to get in. And that was very interesting. And then you guys color coding on the running order as far as who is in play with the playoffs, uh, points as they run. And then, of course, we had uh, Parker uh, join us with Steve in the booth. So a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, Parker, I, I don't know what is, I think he might have been at like a, a wedding or something. I forget why he missed out uh, on the last race, but it's uh, always so good that those guys uh, lend their time to do this with us um, for, you know, like the second or, or third year, I guess, really, if you want to go push back to 19 all the way. Um, I mean, their insight uh, is invaluable, but they're also invested uh, because they're both team owners. So they know the sim pretty well. So uh, it's always fun to call a race with those guys. I think it adds a lot to our show. And uh, uh, I, I mentioned it last time, but uh, I, the plan is to have them with us on the call uh, for the rest of the year. So, so it should be fun with them for the final four weeks coming up. 
And the other th- thing before the show I ran across was an official event guide. And this thing is cool. It's like a, a booklet or a handout that you would get, like if you walked into a race at the, you know, and you're underneath the grandstands and they're handing out, handing these things out. And it looks just like that. And, and it's just so cool to have a, a program to go with the race. Yeah, that's the uh, the work of Chris Leone there, um, who is, uh, you know, he did the media guide at the start of the season, um, which I still reference back to uh, to this day. Um, and then obviously uh, wanted to do something special, I think, with Logitech coming on board uh, to sponsor the Logitech G Challenge 100. So uh, Chris put a lot of time in to, to build that thing up. I, I certainly wish it was like a real one, right? Because if I could buy one. I would definitely buy one and have one, that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like a physical copy to hang on to. Uh, it was super cool um, because it was race specific, right? So it had a lot of details on playoff drivers who were locked in, the drivers whose scenarios, uh, you know, were still up in the air headed into Michigan. So you know, Chris always does uh, a bang up job when he does stuff like that. All right, let's talk the race. Green flag. It was Logan Clampett, Ashton Crowder leading the field into turn one. Uh, they single out uh, pretty quick, um, but the initial start was a little dicey. Uh, we saw Ray Alfala coming. He'd passed 16 cars in eight laps. Yeah, he was hustling, right? And we knew that there were going to be different strategies. And it was no surprise as we tracked uh, you know, the different color-coded guys on the running order that the guys that were safe coming into this race trying to defend we're going to be a little bit more uh reserved right take it easy and guys like uh you know especially gray um who could have won this race and you know at points what he was leading still wasn't uh high enough because he was in such a hole we're going to push it so that showed you just how much these drivers were saving uh the fact that he was able to drive up from the 30s uh like it was nothing and so quick up front is uh not uh, I, I mean i thought it was a bit of a combination between the tires and the fuel as well right try to make it to the middle portion of the race but uh yeah ray was was on a mission and he was going for broke uh, all he could do was go out there give it 110 percent. so that's what we saw to him early and then 10 laps to go uh excuse me 10 laps down it was logan clampett nick ottinger up front and he's running second and connection drops and so we find out he actually re- lost power uh there were storms in the charlotte area uh, but apparently he was the only one who lost power he got back in uh, pretty quick and was able to recover fairly well. Yeah, we were worried um, that a couple of people were going to have issues. Um, even Steve was worried um, when we were doing our little pre-race uh, meeting that um, you know he was worried with storms coming through that he might have had an issue. You know, there's a, a pretty good number of Coke Series guys in the Charlotte area, and uh, it just happens to be unfortunate uh, that it's Nick who has the issue because I think that he was in it. A very good spot, teammate Logan Clampett up there, and obviously the race got chaotic. So I'm not saying that Nick Ottinger was, uh, you know, going to win that race, but needed to win. Defending series champion was in a very good position to do so and to get into the playoffs and uh, for that chance to get taken away from him, uh, I know has to sting a lot. I think that's now two years in a row where the previous year's defending champ uh, doesn't even make the playoffs. Yikes! Okay, and then. Uh... Lap 17, uh, from that point on, we were kind of watching Ray um, head to the front. Um, he had gained 26 spots at that point. Um, and then after 25 laps, he was up to third. And then um, pit stops started happening. So only 11 drivers opting for a two-stop strategy. Uh, Ray Alfala leads them onto the field at lap 44. Um, they would need to make it to lap 50 to make it on a one-stop. 
and then that's the the key right is um this race clearly started to split apart into two strategies the drivers who were going to go for the two-stop strategy who parker and steve seemed to be pretty convinced was going to be the correct decision versus the drivers who were trying to stretch it to that one stop but it wasn't really an even split it was about 30 cars on the one stopper versus you know 10 that appeared to be going um for the two stoppers so the majority of the field felt like stretching was the way to go but it didn't matter because we had trouble with Garrett Maines and Kane Cook when they trigger a multi-car incident that involves multiple championship hopefuls. It looks like Vicente Salas and maybe Ryan Luzo were also involved there. And that's uh, the kicker for Luza, right, uh, in the end of all of this, because uh, he was a driver tied on the bubble position um, as one of the last drivers in um, trying to get his spot into the championship after what was uh, kind of an off year um, for losers, certainly by his standards historically. Um, and, and that incident uh, ended up uh, putting him uh, down the, the ladder enough um, where it, uh, it ended up making a difference. And, uh, you know, he found himself uh, a victim of our eventual race winner. Uh, tough break for him. And that was a big swing in the strategy, right? At that point, we were just waiting for all of those cars to pit. But to be honest, I was kind of waiting for the Mueller wreck. I mean, the way they were going at it, right? You had some drivers who had said, you know, I've saved everything I want to. I'm going to push a little bit to get some track position before the pit stops. But it was just so funny because I think every driver in the pack was pleading with one another over the open radio. Hey, guys, let's take it easy. We want this to go green. And then, of course, the caution comes from up in that lead pack but it wasn't the worst thing for them right i mean they all seem to be pretty upset that the yellow happened obviously if you're in the accident uh you're going to be upset but uh, they all seemed to think that it was hurting their strategy but they were coming down pit road then anyways and the drivers who were going to go for the two stop you know they hadn't yet cycled through the field so they're all back in traffic they pitted with them so all of a sudden basically everybody was thrust onto uh you know maybe run to the end um i think that splitting those final 50 or so in half would have been a little bit tough for the guys on the initial two stopper so i actually thought that yellow helped out the drivers uh, obviously excluding those in the accident um who were initially on the one-stop strategy my takeaway on this race i told my team if you're a, the leader, you were a sitting duck. And and so we saw this first on this restart with 50 to go. It was Ray Alfala and Dylan Duvall leading the field into turn one. The leaders get together. Alfala goes around as the leader. Uh, it looked like Dylan had a run. He, he went to go to the inside, and he didn't time it just right and barely touched Ray, and that was enough to send him around. And it's, you know, tough break. Uh Duvall, obviously, uh, we were able to chat with him pretty much immediately on the broadcast, uh, apologizing for that one, not what he wanted to do. And, uh, you know, Ray's night had already been so up and down to that point. Um, but that really uh, was the, uh, you know, the thing that kind of took him out of it, tried to bounce back um, and then finds himself uh, in the accident. And, and at that point, his uh, long shot hope. Um, for somehow making it into the championship uh, came to a close at that point. I feel like tough break, um, but you're going to have guys pushing. Uh, I, you know, I don't think Dylan was reckless there or anything. Just uh, unfortunate that that happens to Ray in that situation. 
All right, restart 46 to go. It's Dylan Duvall, Matt Busa leading the field into turn one. Uh, with Luza out of contention, he needs no new winners tonight to keep that spot. He also can't have a Shearburn or a Fallow win. And as they run, Matt Busa would steal that spot from Luza. And Busa leads with 39 laps to go. Now, man, I'm pulling for Matt because you know what? He's been running good the last few weeks. He's been knocking on the door. He has. Um, and, you know, kind of that whole mode contingency um, had had a lot of really good runs uh, as of late, but they didn't get, um, you know, the results that I think uh, were indicative of that. And, and I think that's, to be honest, a little bit true um, for a lot of what we've seen in Matt Boos's career, right? I mean, he has had far more good runs um, than he has had. Uh, you know, race wins, um, only having one uh, coming into this race. Um, so for him, I wasn't shocked that he was running well um, because you remember, uh, you know, before, uh, you know, when, when you don't factor in um, the playoffs, so so pre, you know, seeding to buy wins and, and pre this final race, uh, Matt Boos is, you know, not a playoff car. He's 14th, right? So he's one that takes advantage of, of the win and you're in order to make the playoffs last year, even if you won the finale. So uh, for all of the, the bad luck that Debusa has had over his career, I think he was due for some good luck. And I think he led, uh, you know, at that point he was up front for a good bit towards the end of the race. I think he ended up leading like the second of most laps in the race. And caution number three with about seven laps into that run. It was uh, John Gorlinski hitting the inside wall hard, hard after a stock stack up sent him spinning uh, had some fun on the Twitter after John got out of the car. He put up uh, a little guy, uh, a guy like uh, trying to bury himself in his uh, in his coffin or in his uh, gravesite because Joe Berge had tweeted, "Hey, John Gorlinski just died to death." It was funny. That was uh, that was big time, right? And at this point, you know, we we had gone so long without a yellow, basically to the halfway point in this race, um, and now you have three cautions in about twenty laps. Um, and now you're thinking, you know, will these guys have the discipline to allow this to go to the end? I mean, I I thought that this race could get uh, out of hand very quickly, and at this point. You know, now the strategy element is removed um, because no one's really saving anymore. Um, everybody's able to push to the end. Um, and and the way these cars drive at Michigan with this package, I mean, it's uh, it's like a plate race on steroids, right? I mean, you talk about the closing rate and stuff and, and what you can do with the car at Daytona and Talladega. I mean, those tracks are small, right? They're thin compared to what you have at Michigan. So you might have a run, but if there's a car on the inside and the car on the outside at Daytona, there's not really a place to go, right? Three wide is a little bit more rare. You'll see it at Dega, but here, when you got like 75 feet of racetrack to work with, they're going four or five wide, and, and you just can't avoid stuff like this when everybody's driving like it's the white flag. Yeah, it was crazy. Everyone pits for tire set number two here. Uh, restart with 34 to go. It's Casey Kerwin, Matt Busa up front uh, at 33 to go. It was a big save by Malik Ray. It was crazy racing at this point. Like you said, it was three, four wide, several deep, totally nuts. And then trouble. Alan Bowes gets turned and another caution, 31 to go. And it just, it's a uh, rinse and repeat at this point, right? Um, people are racing hard. Uh, people are making mistakes. Uh, and Alan was the, uh, the, the odd man out after all of that three and four wide racing, you have another yellow. And, and like I said, at this point, you know, can we get more than, than five laps? It'd be, you know, we'd have some more incidents to the end, but it didn't quit uh, or didn't get quite 
that out of control. We did have probably more green flag racing in the final 25 laps of the race than we did be- between, uh, you know, laps 50 and 75. But uh, this is what you'll have late in the race. Um, when you get restarts like this with this package, um, I-, I don't think you can place the blame on this guy overdrove it or that guy overdrove it. It's just kind of everybody had to be uber aggressive because if you weren't, then you were going to get run over from behind and lose a dozen spots. So uh, it was thrilling, uh, but I'm sure uh, frustrating for some guys who were trying to make up track position back in the field. All right, another restart. Conti Kerwin up front. Uh, Busa challenging Conti for the lead at this point, uh, 25 to go, and then 23 to go. Ray Alfala still thinking he might do something. He's up to 11th after getting spun as a leader. Uh, and, and thinking he was done, I'm thinking, well, maybe he's not done. Yeah, you got guys, uh, you know, you mentioned Ray, who was up front, dropped back, came back, and then was eventually involved in an accident. I mean, there was a lot of guys, um, you know, clamp at somebody else uh, who was very strong early and and then tried to work his way back through. There was a lot of comers and goers in this race. And again, a lot of that was because, um, you know, those 10 cars or so that had decided to pit way back at the one third mark got trapped back there because of the first yellow. They're all trying to get through the pack, right? Seemed like... I don't want to say it was like all of your top runners, but a majority of the drivers, I think, who went for the two-stopper were higher-up running cars, right? It's not like guys in the 30s and 40s. It was guys in the top 10, top 20. So they have the faster race cars, I think, regardless. Um, So they're trying to slice their way through the field, and that's why you have some guys making these late-race resurgences. Yeah, and it was uh, Matt Busa in the prime position to steal that playoff berth, uh, leading Mike Conti now with 20 to go, uh, 17 to go. Garrett Lowe has a, a... gets sent to the apron he actually saves it 15 to go keegan leahy gets the lead uh and and that actually changes the playoff picture dramatically and actually puts Luza back in yeah and it puts a, a repeat winner on the board keegan was making the show regardless so um Luza at this point i made the point of mentioning it on the broadcast can do nothing right he's wrecked out of the race he is running 40th i mean there is no worse scenario uh for ryan Luza. It's not like, oh, you know, we had a a new race winner in the end anyway, so it didn't matter. It's not true, because if Luza was still in this race, he could have fought in that position tie he had going into the race for a spot in, right? Like, it's not like, oh, we had a new winner in it, and regardless, he had a shot to race his way in. That accident puts him on the back burner. He has no control just watching and and hoping maybe for the first time this year, uh, cheer it on Keegan Leahy to a race win. That's what he would have wanted to see. And we get more people cycled to the front because we have co- another caution. It's contact. Zach Novak, Logan Clampett, uh, Zach uh, spins with 10 to go. Everyone pits, and Jake Nichols wins the race off pit road. So he's the leader. Graham Bolin, they lead him into the restart on 7 to go. And at this point, it's a, a mad dash, right? Uh, Graham Bolin coming off of his huge race win last time out, riding high. You got a guy like Jake Nichols um, with that race win off of the pit lane there uh, to get himself prime position uh, for the final restart of this race. Um, I mean, we knew it was going to be full bore. And to be honest, I'm not sure uh, that I had faith that we'd get all seven laps in, but uh, they made the most of it. And it was a thrilling uh, final segment to this race. It was. Oh, my. So five to go. It was Leahy, Matheson, Conti, Kerwin, Busa, uh, Nichols. Bo- uh, and it was three wide for the lead uh, at one point. Uh, Leahy and Kerwin were dicing it up, uh, blocking, like running them, running each other through the wall. Um, and eventually Kerwin gets the wall. 
he ends up into the fence. Um, there's a lot of uh, blocking as well, uh, right? I mean, you know, up to the fence, down to the inside. Um, not really sure that anybody overstepped a boundary. I mean, it's easy to say don't block, but in that situation, you know, you mentioned how dead the leader was if he was out in front. Uh, most of it was like you, you threw the first block and then somebody would try to cross somebody over. And uh, that's Casey just not wanting to lift, right? I mean, he could have uh, could have lifted, reset, and tried again, but but really felt like he wanted to dig. And I don't really think he got put in the fence. I think like, he left him enough room. Uh, he just swung it a bit wide when he was trying to counter that initial block to the bottom and uh, tag the fence. Didn't take him out of the race entirely, but, but certainly – uh, maybe took him out of contention for the win-win at that point because it just slowed him down a bit too much. Yeah, he was he was looking like he was going to win that race at the, right before that. And though this next part is really the key of the race. I mean, Matheson takes out Leahy. Well, I don't know if that's the right wording, but Matheson takes out the leader Leahy. He did get a nose to the inside. It was on the white, but Leahy was trying to block. Like, like Leahy made a move down and Matheson kind of got the nose down underneath him, and they basically hooked. Uh, then Busa slips by Conti, who was right there. Uh, Busa was back, uh, I don't know, fourth or fifth on that, and, and he, had, he had the run, but he slips by Conti and literally power drives down to the inside of, of Jake Matheson, taps him just a bit to push him up, and takes the lead and the win coming out of four from fifth at the white flag uh, to the race win. Um, certainly the benefactor of circumstances, right, with the initial contact uh, with Matheson and Leahy. Uh, but then, of course, uh, it slowed down to Matheson enough that he was slow into the corner. Um, and then as, as Busa comes through, he drives it in hard to the inside in three. Uh, Matheson does the only thing that he can do, and that is just hold the middle of the road and try to block everything and, and gets – uh, ushered out of the way, and then Busa gets the lead off of four, just too far out in front for anybody else to draft back to him. They were like three, four wide for second, uh, but Matt Busa was home free and gets his second career win in the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series and walks it off and advances to the playoffs. Uh, what a night for for him and, and for Mode, uh, Kyle Long, and the entire group with Mode Media House. And uh, it'll be fun to see now if uh, you know momentum is true. I mean, what can they do? Can they translate this uh, into a good run here headed into the first round of the postseason but uh very very exciting finish it seems like uh you know with this kind of package we saw it at fontana last year or two years ago that uh it, it appears like you're always going to get something uh thrilling at these two mile d-shaped ovals so yeah the two people that were leading on the white both got hit and basically didn't win the race so that's what i was saying if, if you're the leader you're the sitting duck now we did get a quote from uh keegan after the race, he said, I was trying to play the air and give myself another few feet, but I got together with the 52 trying to slingshot by. I don't blame him since we both came together in the middle. It's just part of it, right? I mean, closing rates. I mean, and if you're Keegan, you know, you were throwing blocks earlier that ended up with Kerbin in the fence, right? Don't think that he just drove him into the wall. But again, if you're going to throw blocks, you have to be aware that people are going to race you hard. Um, you know, maybe it would be a different tune for Keegan, um, you know, if, if he doesn't win the race, he doesn't make the playoffs. But this is also the guy, um, you know, who would not wreck a guy when he had the opportunity to win a championship, right? Um, I think that, if there's a moral center 
uh, of this series, uh, it's Keegan Leahy. So I think he understands it's all good hard race. And he was just looking for a little bit extra at that point, having already been locked in. And uh, like I said, I don't think anybody overstepped the line uh, to the end of that one. Nobody just drove into somebody's quarter panel intentionally, turned it right and hooked him right. Um, it was all uh, in the nature of a good hard finish. Now, when you initially look at the replay, it looks like he hooked him kind of thing. But but you're right. When you look closer, it's just a racing incident. I mean, it's a white flag for, you know, it, this is going to happen. It's NASCAR racing. It, it's a full contact sport. And, uh, you know, Leahy was, was pushing him down. He was moving down on him, trying to, you know, see if he was clear or not. He, you could see him turning left a little bit. Uh, to kind of check, is he there, is he there? And then sure enough, he was, and they hooked, but darn it. Yeah, and I think that we had a real good perspective on board with Conti, I think, at the time, uh, where I talked about the first move, right? If you ask me, you know, there's some people that will tell you blocking shouldn't be allowed at all. Um, it is, in contact racing like NASCAR, it's not realistic, right? But I always think the first move is fine. So if someone's got to run, you can reposition yourself and throw the one block, but you can't you know, keep going because you're going to run out of space. And I think that Keegan blocked a little bit to the bottom. Uh, Jake had more space, kept going underneath him. And then Keegan kind of kept giving it more wheel. Uh, and that's where the difference comes in. Like the 52 machine of Atheson at no point after making a move to the bottom, does he come back up the hill, right? He's continually trying to go lower and lower and lower. Uh, and, and Keegan knows if he gets to the inside is done. So Keegan's doing everything he can to to shut the door on him. And, uh, you know, tough break for Jake Matheson, too, right? I mean, he's not the one that gets wrecked, but he doesn't get the race win. Um, that would have been a great story for him. A race would have put him into the playoffs, but he was playing a spoiler. You got guys like Novak and Kerwin right there in the mix that uh, maybe had a shot at a postseason at birth, depending on how the finishes shook out, if they had ended up in victory lane. So uh, there was a lot on the line for all those drivers. And it made for great replays on Twitter. Uh, NASCAR put up the in-car camera from Busa on the final lap, and that's just gold to watch if you're a racer uh, trying to figure out how to win these races. Um, man, uh, Matt Busa got it done. I want to do a, a personal shout-out to Justin Melillo and Seth Eggert for play-by-play on Twitter. Uh, that helps me put together this segment for the show. And let's talk about standings and next week and uh, what's going on. Yes, of course, uh, we're in the postseason now. Uh, we're going to start racing for a championship starting in uh, two weeks' time. Still not getting ahead of myself here at the end of the month uh, when we head over to Darlington, and it'll be a 10-driver playoff, right? This is new for us, and the bonus points have been allotted um, based on uh, you know everybody having a race win. So everybody's set to 2,000. Three bonus points per race win. So Mitchell DeYoung, the only multi-time winner this year, will have a little bit of an upper hand at 2,006 points. Everybody else, 2,003. Uh, and the challenge is evidently now three races in the opening round of the playoffs, right? So uh, we will have to whittle down. It used to be eight to four. It's still uh, a four-race championship. So we're going to have to go all the way um, from 10 drivers to four over the course of these next three weeks. And that's the the big thing to look for, right? Um, with all the different race winners that we saw in the regular season, our race winners, are you basically going to have to win a race? Um, if you want a shot, uh, there's going to be a minimum of one points paying position in. But uh, I mean, I always thought that our playoff format was cutthroat, right? The NASCAR when you go 16 to 12 to eight to four, and, and you got a lot of time to kind of slowly have to step up. I mean, 
this is basically like the second to last round in the Cup Series. You cannot take it easy through the first couple of weeks. I mean, I think you have to be looking at race win at Darlington or Bristol, especially because while you may have avoided the drama of having Daytona as a regular season finale, you still got Talladega as our first round of the playoff finale, and nobody wants to have a question mark uh, headed into that race. That's for sure. So who didn't make the playoffs that you know is that one guy that sh- that should be there that didn't make it? Well, I think that you know you my, the first thing I would do is I would look at the standings um, if it was not weighted by wins, right? So without race wins, if this was last year's playoff format, who makes the show? And there's a couple of drivers. Um, if it was eight like last year, right? Uh, you would have had Steven Wilson, Casey Kerwin, and Corey Vincent make the playoffs. Um, maybe not the most surprising names. I think that the most surprising names I would mention would be obviously your last two champions. Nick Ottinger and Zach Novak will not have a shot at it. I just feel bad for Steven Wilson, Casey Kerwin, and Corey Vincent, right? Uh, those are top 10 guys in the points. They were top 10 all year long. If it was any other version of the playoffs, they would have made the playoffs based on points. The unfortunate thing for them is they just weren't able to get a win. And it happened uh, in the most competitive year of competition we have ever seen in this series with 13 different winners through the first 14 rounds. So uh, the biggest names and the most surprising, probably Nick Ottinger and Zach Novak, um, you know, but but Steven Wilson, Casey Kerwin, Corey Vincent. I mean, Vincent and Wilson, those guys having career performances, right, and not getting awarded uh, with a playoff berth, uh, I think has to sting a little bit. It does, but I think it just shows you just how freaking competitive this is. I mean, it's ultra competitive. Yeah, there are no guarantees, um, and and that's what you have to realize, right? Um, you know, there's always been that talk historically, and and we'll see if we. I'm assuming that we'll keep this win in your in format headed forwards. You know, the the point of conversation we have always had in this series is that wins are important, but only because of the points they pay. Consistency is the most important overall, right? Just make sure that you start the year off at a good note, that you don't dig yourself in a hole late. And that's now completely different with the win in your enemy. It totally changes the complexion. I don't think we're going to see, you know, 13 race winners in a regular season on a yearly basis. I think that, uh, you know, law of averages would suggest if we do this for five more years, you're going to average a couple of point spots in every single time. This year, it just didn't happen that way for those guys. But uh, I just wonder now that we've gone through a regular season under this new format, how that'll change the approach uh, that a lot of these other drivers take um, going forwards and, and into future seasons, knowing that, you know, being consistent is important, right? I mean, you, your win is not overarching if you don't stay top 20. So there is still an element of consistency. Ray Alfala can tell you that. Um, but I just wonder if the approach to how people attack seasons will will change and if they'll be maybe more prepared uh, for that headed into the next year. All right. Well, it sur- certainly has been an exciting week uh, for Coke Racing. Looking forward to the playoffs in two weeks. Uh, Evan, thank you so much for coming on, and we'll talk to you then. I appreciate you guys tuning into the, the broadcasts and letting me uh, talk about them here, and it'll be a final uh, or a fun final four weeks. I hope everybody tunes in uh, in two weeks' time at Darlington, and uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot, lot of excitement to talk about after that one.
right, Mike, I'm going to pass this first topic to you because I think you want to be Pastrana Jr. or Pastrana Sr., right? Uh, Pastrana takes Mount or talks Mount Washington. Yeah, um, we got some more videos uh, after last week's episode. Um, I recently put out a YouTube where Travis was visiting uh, the offices. Um, they did some interview with him uh, where he talks about the track and, and whatnot and uh, it's it's interesting, but what was more interesting is this other video that came out this week because they did run the real event this last weekend, um, and uh, they put up a video of Travis's attempt, and he actually beat his own world record. And so I've been running iRacing a lot, guys, um, in the last seven days. Um, every opportunity I have, basically. Um, and trying to run the, the figure out this hill climb and trying to get close to uh, Travis's time. I think they should uh, scan his car here. This this car that he has is his uh, special rally one for like it's kind of like the Jim Connor events stuff that they do. But this car would be good to be have it as a scan because how fast it is. I got the impression it was the same as a Subaru we have in the in the sim. No, it's. This one's more, this one's like crazier. It's the, the one in the sim is just a, a normal rally one. This one's, this one's like an all purpose, like to do like weird stunts and stuff. It's not a full rally uh, one that uh, he does it with. Well, isn't there a thing um, in this particular course, it, because it's one car at a time, you can just about do a run what you brung, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, I think. I guess it's all split into certain classes though, when it actually, the events cause on, right? Like it would, you know, there's probably an open, I don't, I don't know what can run on this road, but I know when they do the other hill climbs, you can have like open wheeled or um, special race cars and things like that. They're just different um, classes, classifications. So what I've seen in hosted is you can put up a practice, but you can't put up a race or uh, anything like that or a qualifying. And I actually hosted some events as well because I was keen to turn on the driving line. Uh, somebody told me, oh, well, that might be an easier way to learn the track. And I remembered that from back in my rookie year. Uh, I haven't had it on really since then, but I did turn it on. It did help me kind of figure out when to hit the gas and when to hit the brake, uh, especially on these kind of blind runs where you're going real fast and then you have to slow down quickly. Well, it helps you f remember that that's an actual turn instead of a straight. Because some of them, when I, even when I went up, I just, and that's right, I did buy it. Um, I tried it, and you just don't know if it's a turn, like a, hard, a sharp turn, or a, or it was a straight one until you memorize it, right? So I think the one thing that I, I felt when I was going up and watching this video, it's missing having spectators and cars on the outside. I think that would be something that would be cool that they add it make it kind of feel like there's more to the environment. Well, it's not a complete product yet, right? This is kind of almost a beta. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you're right. It would look cool to, because during the real video of him making his run, there were people like right along the edge of the, the track. And I'm like, well, they're crazy being right there. But uh, it was interesting to see the, the crowd and uh, gathering in certain corners on the track. Now let's talk times. I was, uh, I put up my first time of a 5.57, and it's hard to get a time because you basically can't have a 1X, and and you have to finish the run without basically wrecking. But I got a 5.57 in the Beetle, 
and then uh, Travis's old record was 5.43. So I was like, you know, 14-something seconds off or something. But then his new record run he put up over the weekend, he uh, took quite a bit off it. I think it was 5.33 by memory. That's why and, I'm saying, sorry, Mike, that, that car that he was running was, I think, different than the one he set the last time because that one has, um, I don't know if you noticed in the front of that video, he has active arrow on that car as well, too. I don't think he set the last one with one that has the way that it's got a, a wing that goes flat when he brakes and stuff like that. Okay, and then so a few days, a couple days ago this week, you know, I ran some more hosted and trying to better my time, and I actually did. I finally put up a 550.4, so I bettered my time by seven seconds. Um, and I thought, man, that's that's pretty damn good, and, you know, I still got a ways to go to get to his 533. But when I was in that, uh, in that practice, in that hosted practice, there were other people with me, and a guy named Josh Edmondson, he put up a 513, and he took 20 seconds off the new world record, and he was in a Subaru. And I asked him, I, I got on the horn in the room and asked him, I said, how are you doing this, man? How are you so freaking fast? And he said, well, I've just been running it since it came out. I've, I've probably run 300 attempts or something. And, uh, He's just fast, and I don't know, you know, I, I thought I was fast not going off with a 550, but he did a 513. I mean, think about how off I am in time from that. 13 seconds to 50 seconds off. Well, we also have uh, some tweets of some other crazy fast times. Uh, streamer Emily Jones, she posted on her Twitter account that she took out the IROR1 and did a 433. Wow. And that's cooking, man. I tell you what. I did try the IRO one up the hill a couple times, but it's so hard. I mean, because you're going so fast, and you really have to know the track to, to be that fast. I think I'll work up to it. I really want to master the Beetle and get a, a good time in the Volkswagen Beetle, kind of so I can compare it to the world record and compare it to now Josh Edmondson, who's put up that 513 I witnessed. Um, and just see how I can stack up, and then I'll move on to some faster cars. But, uh, man, I've had some fun with it. And we also have a, a tweet with the the, uh, the Formula V going up. It's a funny-looking paint. Oh, so that one is uh, interesting because that's jo uh, Broadbent, Jimmy Broadbent. He put up a video, and he literally titled it, This is some of the most fun I've had in iRacing. And he was doing the whole soapbox derby going down with no engine. And he actually put up a time of 7.42 um, going down. I think, it's, I think it's funny that, you know, this has created a, a whole new idea of what, um, you know, of things that challenge. Like people have taken, instead of just running it, they've taken and made different challenges out of, of it. And this one seems to be one of the more popular ones that has hit. Uh, and we were always... So I always see, you know, you're talking about it, Mike, and and uh, it's it's been posted, up, you know, to death about it. I recently also put up a tweet video of about a one minute twenty sec second video of uh, the IR01 going over uh, part of the track, just to give a sense of the speed of this car and the track, and uh, it it's pretty amazing. Um, I'm pretty sure that they must have went off. They're, you know, it's really hard to, to keep this thing going straight. 
if you watch some of the spots where it, it, that car goes on it, Mike, it seems like the tire is like either he's just missing the rock or the rock isn't doing any damage to the car. It's so close. It's very close. Uh, now, in Jimmy Broadband's video, Broadbent, he had a uh, an incident where he had a net code with a rock. Like he was close to it, and it bounced him like he hit it, but he actually didn't hit it. Well, if you want to check out that uh, mountain, it uh, it's definitely captured Mike's attention for sure. Let's talk Logitech Challenge, Greg. Uh, looks like uh, you can do some fast laps at Suzuka in the jet car. So uh, Logitech G Esports posted on Twitter uh, asking, what's your favorite turn on Suzuka? The S-curves, the, was it D- Dagner curve, or uh, the 130R? And so it, they put it up saying, start your engines and set your fastest laps on Suzuka with the Delara IR01 on iRacing. And you can sign up here. So there's a link uh, to the website and you just uh, sign up there and uh, get to the track and try and uh, set fast times. Yeah, we've talked about this before, but it's actually going on right now. And I found it because I went to time attack. I'm thinking, okay, how are we going to run this hill climb? And I was thinking time attack. So I went into time attack and they had several different cars set up um, in the time attack they, for the hill climb. They had the, the Subaru and they had uh, some other ones. They didn't have the Beetle though, but I definitely saw this and they had the Logitech G Sports Challenge uh, where you could go into the Suzuka in the time trial thing and actually run it. So, so you, you have to sign up on the Logitech website and you have to go to time trials and actually run it. I wonder if I should sign up for some of these events just because of my the way I qualify in hot lap. Why not? I mean, how many people you think are going to go through those steps and figure out, oh, I need to go here, I need to do this, and yeah, I'd say go for it. What is qualifying? <laughs> well, I got a new appreciation for time trials. Now, to run the mountain to climb, uh, initially I was testing you know where you just get in the car to test but it doesn't record times well in a test and so I found myself actually paying uh, $5 to iRacing and hosting events just so I could figure out the times but then I would go to other people's hosted events but then the time trial I was thinking would work good the thing is with the time trials though um, or the time attack I guess it's called I don't, I don't think you can do custom ones you just do the ones that are set up so it uh, looks like iRacing did some, uh, I guess had some downtime for some database upgrades again, or at least as the iRacer servers are up, we got a tweet. And it looks like uh, Barney's out there swinging the flag. Yeah, I'm not home during the daytime anymore, so I don't really ever notice when, when they're just down unless there's a patch. Seems like there's been a few of these recently this month. Uh, it, I don't have any idea, you know, what are they trying to... Uh, what main maintenance they're doing, but uh, hopefully they're upgrading hardware and stuff like that. Well, the database uh, management can involve software too, just cleaning up cobwebs and, and such. Um, this next one's pretty neat and it's definitely up my alley. The sounds of eye racing. You can actually play almost if you want to try to go to sleep to iRacing sounds or something, you can just play this YouTube channel and it's got all kinds of iRacing sounds. Like, yeah, this is cool. I love it. It's an hour-long video. I was going to say, I mean, it, you could probably, it would be good for, like, 
uh, YouTube premium members so they could turn their screens off and you could just have the sounds going. But, you know, you have to have to keep the program open. <laughs> so I don't know any married people that might fall asleep to this uh, with their significant other, but it's definitely an awesome idea. I mean, we have sounds of waterfalls, whales in the water, the ocean. Why not this? Well, you could also use it like when we do an interview, we could uh, throw it in as the background noise just to create an ambience, make it like we're at one of the tracks when we're, while we're doing whatever interviews. That's a great idea. I, you know, NAPCAR, I mean, NASCAR puts me to sleep all the time. That was good. <laughs> okay, yeah. It might, it I, might I, help I you get rid of that. It. Uh, it, would that help you get rid of your splitter headache? I mean, splitting headache? <laughs> I actually have an app on my phone that I play sometimes when I'm sleeping alone that uh, sounds like, you know, wind and rain and stuff like that, you know, to put you to sleep. But this this will work just as well. Well, Mike, what can you tell us about Operation Motorsport? Well, we saw this. It's a benefit four hours of the Glen. Uh, registration is now open. Uh, the event is going to be September 12th, 2021. And it's at, you can register over at madsimracing.com. And if you remember, we, we had dealings with Operation Motorsports. They're a group that's trying to put sim racing equipment in the hands of military veterans. Definitely a good cause because, uh, you know, it, it would be good to, you know, so we always found that racing was a relief for us. So, you know, we want to help out the, uh, our, our military soldiers. This event's actually going to be broadcast on the Podium Network, um, so they got a broadcast um, and everything. They got a really nice website that talks about the event. So there's a support race the Friday before open qualifying um, in the MX-5, and then the event is on Sunday the 12th at 2.15 p.m. Eastern. Could be the GT4 uh, class. The picture is actually showing some GT3s up there, I believe, right? Actually, that, that, I think it's a Lambo right up there on the, on the screen. And the Merc. So here, it has some confusing things here. Uh, so it actually is a Pro-Am GT3. And the Pros, if you're a max combined I rating between four to 7,000 amongst two drivers, or a Pro driver on a team in an actual racing series. And then you have the AM, which is the GT4s, and with that, you have a max combined I rating of 4,000 or less amongst two drivers. That's kind of a neat way to do it. The, the higher I ratings in the GT3 and the lower I ratings in the GT4s. It's, there's a similar thing that the majors does where the, based on how well you do at the road courses, they give you a, a type four different colors of, of class, and that determines whether you can run as a pro or an am. And um, only the amateurs can run the smaller classes, I believe. Are we looking at hardware on this next topic here, Greg? I didn't know what section to put this in. I think it's a good. It's okay to have it here, Mike, because we've been talking about this is news. Um, iRacing having an addition, uh, you know, partnering with, you know, getting their own product uh, with somebody, you know, to kind of further their uh, their portfolio in the sim racing, so that people can, you know get something so uh, next level racing on their twitter uh announced the next level uh racing fgt light i racing edition uh making sim racing affordable with a free 12 month subscription to i racing for new users 
and of course a complete iRacing experience. So uh, I guess, so if you purchase this next level racing rig, uh, you can get a 12, 12 uh, month subscription, which is worth $110 uh, for the price of 350 dollars American. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty basic fold up. It's kind of reminds me of a lawn chair fold up rig. Right. looks like so, a lawn chair. Um, you and it wouldn't work the, well with direct drive, I don't think. No, but, you know, most of the people that are probably purchasing something like this are getting into iRacing, right, or or uh, just starting out. And it's it's a nice entry-level, you know, uh, option. I mean, they got a Thrustmaster wheel and pedals and shifter attached to it in the picture here. Obviously, you got to purchase the, that on top of this rig, but it's definitely... A, it's definitely something where iRacing can now say, oh, this is, you know, direct your eye to this too while you're looking at being part of the subscription. Well, it's also something they can just like put on their website for the entry level beginners looking, what do I need to go racing? You know, what is some entry level equipment? Um, and this is a fantastic deal really to pay 350, get the one year subscription as part of that keeps the cost down, buy a G29, a G29 or a 920, you know, Logitech wheel with pedals to go with it. And, you know, you got out the door maybe $600 and $700 without the computer. But, you know, that gives you a cockpit. I mean, a lot of uh, beginners in iRacing aren't starting with cockpits. They're sitting at a desk. I mean, that's how I did it. I was sitting in a office chair at a, at a glass desk and, uh, that's how I got going, but they didn't have stuff like this. I don't think when I started. Yeah, and I I started the same thing. I just started on a piece of wood that was you know attached to a whole bed frame thing that I had near a wall and sat on a, a normal office chair and raced for for years. Did you have Crocs? No, I <laughs> I just I did the I didn't even think of having anything to stop it. I I did the pull the chair back in type things, right? Yeah. Where you're, you're floating. What do you think is the business relationship between iRacing and this uh, company, Next Level Racing? I mean, who's paying who for this transaction? Yes. I'm guessing it's a mutual thing right here because Next Level Racing has multiple... They, they chose this one to put the iRacing name on it, but they have better options than next level oh, yeah. racing. And I think they have motion too, do they not? They do. So, yeah, this is... I mean, is that for future things where they put their name on a one later down, like a bigger brand um, for a motion rig or just a, a second tier iRacing one too? But yeah. I think to have a beginner one to start off with is perfectly fine. There are some promotional partnerships that are, actually partnerships and one's not paying the other they just kind of agree to kind of team up and and loan each other their each other's name you know because each of them has a trademark so they're telling the other person yeah you can use our name it in in both directions and they're both gaining a benefit from it well i think it's cool too that you can get a piece of equipment now and it has the iRacing logo on it, it you know that's that's substantial that's very like, cool right like that's we to have you know they're they're a software company like that's what we're basically the only thing a simulation software company now they're into hardware and 
And who knows how much further that goes down the road? Do they partner? Do they get a Logitech branded uh, wheel system or that you know has the iRacing decal on it or something down the road? I imagine that they're throwing in these one-year subscriptions at and not there's no money trading hands would be my guess. And their take on it is, you know, we're getting new subscribers that are going to buy content. They're going to get hooked. And so, yeah, we gave up the one year, but they're going to buy tracks and cars and they're going to resubscribe and so forth. Well, that's the biggest thing right now is the subscriptions one cost, but you're going to spend more over a year in the other parts of iRacing than the, than the subscription cost for the year. It's, it's inevitable if you want to right. do anything in here. I mean, look at this year alone, I've probably spent more than the subscription cost on the additions to iRacing. And that's just to keep up with what we're doing, right? And and you'll spend money and not expect to spend money. Like this mountain hill climb. I didn't expect I didn't, to buy a track. I didn't expect to do it after my comments last week. Yeah, but you ended up buying it. I just want to beat your time. That's what I really want to do. Yeah, to be honest, I just want in. to see, see the time fall. Speaking of beating times, uh, can you put down a hot nap? hot lap at the virtual Michigan. Tony is going to be so excited about this because he was wanting to know if they were going to have the haulers out there or not. Uh, our uh, aftermath host, Tony Rochette with uh, the, Hey everybody. Right. He is, um, he is uh, going to be there at the track and they are too. So you can swing by the eNASCAR gaming hauler and set down your fast laps. Yeah, they, Michigan put out a video of Corey LaJoy using the simulator. We should have sent uh, Tony out to uh, Michigan this week with a whole bunch of Irish's lounge stickers. Well, you could, hand, you could hand him out right next to the hauler. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to uh, to see, you know, meet, meet Tony Rochette from the aftermath. Well, you guys know you can, if you're going to the track, you'll find Tony there for sure. Um What's interesting about Corey LaJoy in the video is I, I hear that he's not going to make the race this week due to getting COVID, and they're going to put Josh Berry in his car. That's a, that's a good opportunity for Josh Berry, and it's sad to see for Corey LaJoy because he's one of the uh, nicer guys to have at uh, the racetrack. The other thing about Tony is I almost would bet money he's going to have more laps on Michigan going into this weekend to go try this at simulator than anybody who tries that simulator because he's been running NIS this week. He's going to run tomorrow night too, and he's going to have a lot of laps. And so I hope uh, Tony goes over there and shows them how it's done. I wonder if they'll let him bring their open setups. No, we need our sets. All right, uh, Mike, did you get a chance to check out this week or this month's uh, top 10 videos? I did. I had to take my daughter to a medical appointment from her car accident, and I had to sit around for an hour and a half. And yes, I did watch this video this morning. Uh, it's great. Um, I think the theme on this video is a three-way race for the win. Uh, it seems like every video is there's three cars uh, mixing it up. Um, I don't know if, if that's the theme or not, but I love these kind of things just to watch the cool racing, but it also reminds me of some of the cars on the service that I completely forget about because I don't own. Like that one that looks like a big uh, door wedge. What do they call that? The Camel GT? Yeah, that's uh, that's an, that's the Camel GT Challenge Series, but that's uh That thing looks awesome. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of that car because it races with the Audi. 
they put on a good race at the Charlotte Roval there, and they were like, you could throw a blanket over five or six of them there racing for the win. Uh, fantastic racing. There was a get, uh, pass on the outside at Suzuka. Uh, they were going through the corner side by side, and that was pretty pretty cool. It was like some, a gnarly wreck with the GTE cars, too, there. There was a uh, knife in their way through there uh, with like probably 10 or 15 cars crashing on a straight. Great stuff, as usual. Anybody running dirt this weekend? No, but it's happening. You should uh, be already qualified. I mean, you can still run, I think, tonight and tomorrow night to the Knoxville Nationals. Yeah, um, I was. I thought Brian was going to be involved with this, but he's uh, he's uh, suddenly went on a trip this weekend, so I don't know if he's going to be able to be be able to have run much of it or not. Um, but it's g- going. Uh, the super session is on Saturday, right? If you make yeah. a certain uh, top so many in points over the week. I think they announced two super sessions, if I believe right. But uh, yeah, on, they're on Saturday. I work, so I'm not going to participate. Yeah, once work gets kicks back in, it's uh, you start picking and choosing what you're going to run and not. And this week, there's so many good races. Uh, Euro is at Daytona, or no, Ems is at Daytona. Euro's at at Le Mans. Michigan is going on, and then also uh, the majors is at Darlington this weekend. And um, I'm I thought also... you said there was good races going on. The first two were fine. <laughs> the last two, <laughs> Darlington's not going to be so great, but it's still, I, I have, uh, I enjoy that. Um, and then also, I'm running uh, uh, four stints for that team that I ran the ran the Monza race for again. So yeah, no dirt. Um, get, looks like we got some uh, IMSA, another IMSA race with a charity at heart, Greg. Yeah, the eight-hour IMSA race at Daytona for autism uh, is coming in September on the 18th. Uh, Like I said, it's going to be an eight-hour IMSA endurance race. Uh, It's at the Daytona Road. Um, So it looks like it's going to cost $60 per team. Payout depends on the final number of entries. Uh, The remainder of the funds will be donated to uh, the the local autism, uh, what is it? To help with those with autism live a normal with autism live a normal life. Sorry, I thought it was a charity name there. Um, and uh, so the practice sessions will be uh, start at 1 p.m. Uh, CST, uh, and then qualifying starts at 2 p.m. CST, and it's a 10 minute qualifying session. And the race goes live at 2:10 p.m. CST. Now that's a it's an inviting uh, type of track to race there, David. We we did pretty good there racing in, earlier this year. Yeah, we'll have to take a look at the calendar and see what's going on that weekend. Everything's back into swings by then. Everybody's in school, full work schedules. Yeah, we're finishing up our first full week this week. Now it's time for the uh, the big news, Greg. Are we ready to talk paint festival? Or I'm sorry, yeah. actually, Mike. I meant to pass this to Mike. I'm sorry. Well, I'm actually tallying the scores now. So the paint festival ended last night at midnight. We had four entries. We put together a Google form and presented it to Tifosi team. And we all voted on a scaling uh, scale of one to 10, which paint job we liked the best. And I'm doing the tally, so give me one minute. Well, Mike's doing the tally here. So we had, um, was it four entries, Mike? It's four. Yeah. So we had Jordan Spoon, 
uh, entered in one on the next gen car, uh, the next gen Chevy. Uh, one was also uh, I'm trying to find the name of this Indy car one. Uh, Charlie Lord uh, uh, posted that up, and there's a Camping World Truck Series Chevy by AJ Power. And the fourth and final one, uh, looks like Rob Jackson did another one in the Chevy Camaro next-gen car. So basically, um, the winner is going, well, I'll go in, uh, I'll go backwards. So if, I think it's a tie for last uh, amongst third and fourth. The votes are very close, so we're going to call it a tie. And that would be Rob Jackson in the uh, A car, as well as AJ Power in the the truck. Um more Coming up, runner-up will be the Indy car, and the winner is Jordan Spoon in his A car. Yeah, he I, think got I, the most had, votes. I think I had that one ranked as my highest. I don't, I don't recall. I did it in a rush this morning, but yeah, it's nice design. That's the one I ranked as my highest as well. Very well done. It's uh, uh it's it's it uses the sh the shapes and the colors of Grid Finder very well in the paint as well as the curves of the car to make it uh, stand out. Yeah, and uh, it's really got a, a grid finder specific look to it. He does reference the podcast in the lower left uh, quarter panel, which is the IRLP, which I, I think is a nice touch, you know? I think the other thing that works perfect for this car, and I think Bobby keeps putting uh, saying this too, is the side skirts aren't allowed to be painted on the next-gen cars. So, at least on the Chevy, I don't believe you can paint them. So, having a black car with the black side skirts, it kind of just goes together with the whole paint. Right, because he, he can't paint them. He tied it into the scheme, and that black, as you can see, kind of goes up over the wheel wells and around the wheel wells, and, and he kind of continued that color there. So, it kind of feels like it's part of it, right? But honestly, guys, all four of these paints are fantastic. I mean, it was hard to judge this. That's why we opened it up for the team to, to take a look. Um, and we have a winner. So, Jordan Spoon, you're welcome to come on the show. We're going to reach out to you on social media. Um, we'll contact uh, our boys over at GridFinder. They're going to hook you up with some gloves and 50 bucks in iRacing credit. Great Love job, it. guys. It's I mean, I wish I wish we had a little bit more uh, entries to pick from, but uh, all the ones that did, they did a great job. And it's been busy. I mean, I wish I would have promoted it better. I put it out on social media a few times. Uh, we've talked about it on the show every week. I, don't, I feel like I could have done more to maybe get some more people involved, but thank you to those that were involved. At least we got someone. My fear was we wouldn't have anybody put up a paint. But uh, thank you for those that did. And, and hey, somebody just won 50 bucks on some gloves. Okay, let's talk podcast housekeeping. The Aftermath put out a new show this last weekend. Uh, what do you call it? Summer doldrums. But, uh, yeah, they didn't have too much to talk about uh, racing-wise. But if you want to hear those guys ramble a little bit, uh, check it out. Don't forget the website. We've actually had some problems with it today. Uh, but hopefully it's working for everybody. We're, we're going to look into that and call GoDaddy and make sure it's good to go. We have Midwest Simulations. Uh, if you want to buy their spotlights, which are those spotter things, 
you can get 10% off with the coupon code iRacers Lounge. We're on the Performance Motorsports Network. I think we're one week behind over there. I did speak with those guys this week. We're still, uh, they're still wanting our show all over their network. They play it several times a week. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, let's talk some hardware software. Um, first thing we have up, we have a Huskinville Sim handbrake. It looks like it's running around 240 euros, about 280 US. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um, a big old spring thing on the end of it uh, for tension, kind of a black spring thing. Well, that's a, that's actually a sleigh cylinder. It's on, it, it almost kind of looks uh, hydraulic in, in, a, in a way. Very maybe a spring. It's hard to see. It's it, there's it looks like there's a spring inside, but it's yeah. a beautiful. Uh, I think it's a return spring, right? It, it's to have more of a modular or a feel to it. That's you know, so you can. It's not on off. And it looks like they got a video showing you how to adjust it as well. Yep, Justin Melillo over at the Traxion GG did an article on it as well. That's how come I saw it, but. Um, it's pretty cool. I mean, and it looks nice. I mean, it looks like a, a well-engineered piece of machinery kind of thing. Huskinville puts out uh, good stuff. I almost went that route. It just came down to availability when I was looking at pedals. Would you have considered that if they were available? Yeah, that was one. That was the first place I looked actually, just because they, you know, they have really good word of mouth on all the covers we've done. I mean, it's. The market for pedals is so there's so many options and i don't know if in the hydraulic area i don't know where you can go really wrong depending on the company you pick but it seems like it would be a good choice no matter what from any of the brands but heiskabel does make some really high quality stuff and it's nice to see a handbrake enter in with them well mike what was uh, what do we have going on here with uh, the phillips hue rgb well if you guys recall i did uh, buy this package earlier this spring and get it up and running and i've been loving it uh there was another person on the forums asking about the phillips hue rgb and can it be used uh specifically like an iFlag? and uh the answer according to staffer david tucker he said i believe it will work through the razor chroma tool if you install the right plugins however we have only very simple control over the lights that will change colors based on the flag or when you're in the into the rev limiter. About the only reason I would ever consider adding lights to my rig, even though I'm in VR, is it would be neat in the stream if I could have it light up the different colors, basically just to light my face up, right? Um, that would be a neat effect. So when I David's about, about to protest, it goes red in the room. <laughs> I thought about doing it my lights this way where they were based on the flag. But I, I'm, I'm just keen on the whole ambient lighting thing. So I did reply to the forum and tell them about the ambient lighting thing. You uh, you basically use the Philips uh, app on the on your Windows uh, to get that. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'll try the flag thing. I, I haven't fooled with it since I set it up. Well, um, how about, you know, we've talked about triple monitors and button boxes and all this fancy stuff. Greg, how would you like to just basically have the button box on your monitor because i think that's what i'm looking at right here <laughs> no i it, it's a hub center which i like the way that they've kind of worded this and i, I don't know if, i know this was you know talking about some of the button boxes last week this is bef, 
basically the one of the this is kind of like if you know when when charlotte put a screen in their backstretch and said here's the biggest screen and then texas goes and goes bigger this is kind of reminds me of the button box equivalent of it but it is uh the clubs they're, they're calling it the race sim logic uh posted it as the, the the race center club sport edition so it's a 10 inch hdmi screen uh, displaying your favorite sim racing software, so like JRT, SimHub, Z1. Uh, there's 32 inputs. Assign all uh, your essential functions. Two choices of uh, seriograph style. Uh, two colors available. Um, fully plug and play. Um, now, if you go to the actual Sim uh, Logic site, um, it's saying is, is that 698.75 euros euros this is france uh this company's from france okay i mean it is i don't know what you need but you need a strong arm to mount this in general just to have it mounted near your setup but i you know if you got the money this is one hell of a button box to start off with it is they've had this one forever and we've talked about it before but and, and the, their normal or uh, old one has uh, got yellow accents, and it and, and it's got this bright yellow look to it. This one is called the Club Sport Edition, and it's got the carbon fiber instead of the yellow, and so that's the key difference. Um, this I love the carbon fiber look. This is probably the king of button boxes. I mean, I have if if you told me what's the best freaking button box. I can spend money on, I'd probably point you to this one. I kind of like even what you're talking there, Mike. So the other one used to have a screen in it too. I can't, I can't remember. It has yeah, I think it too. did. Okay. I like the way that the button box, even if you look at the um, the sticker pattern on the box, like it's laid out really nicely um, to, to decipher your adjustments and things like that. I, I just think this is, if you got the... Uh, the, the right amount of money to spend for this because I don't I don't I, I didn't do any of the conversion there to see what it is US. Well, click on their website and go to the products page and scroll down. You'll see the yellow one with the yellow labels that I was talking about. They call it Race Center Max, and it does have a, a screen in it, but uh, it actually looks to be a smaller screen, Greg, and it has a bezel. When this new one doesn't even have a bezel, freaking cool. Well, while we're talking about the gorillas of each class of hardware, how about this uh, BDH shifter? Uh, oh my God! It, it says on the head, on the little header, "quote the last shifter you'll ever need." So, did you give this video a watch, Mike? And, and did I? I mean, I drooled over this. And Carl Gosling did too. I, we have a bunch of Carl videos. I don't know why, uh, I, but he's just been cranking out some crazy videos on hardware but this bdh shifter is from a place in united kingdom it's handmade like in the fact that they take a p a block of steel or a block of metal and literally put it on a lathe and 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 turn it into a round piece of you know from a square block into a round piece you know for this shifter i mean it's literally handmade every piece is uh is created by hand and and these are put together uh what a value at eleven hundred dollars us or 800 pounds um and he compared it to some of the more expensive shifters out there like the one that joe owen has that we've talked about from rick motek um and he said this is bar none 
you know, top of the line kind of thing. And I believe him. It looks really nice. Do you know if it will also do sequential? It won't. It's H only. Yeah. But it, it's very versatile. Uh, most of his video was kind of talking about the way he mounted it. Like he, you can mount it on the backwards and still program the gears to the right ones. Um, if you want to have it like on the left versus the right, you know, if you're British and that kind of thing. So having this mounted as your shifter and then you have that H or high skin valve, uh, handbrake, that would be one hell of a nice little setup in one, you know, one spot of your uh, rig. I want the handbrake and the shifter to match, though. Well, the, the designs were close. I mean, I That's don't... That's true. I mean, I, it, it's interesting that it's only an H-pattern shifter. Uh, David, I can see why David was asking there, because there's nothing really left that's ever going to be an H-pattern. And, you know, even the modern cars are being slowly, slowly phased out of that. Anyway, uh, this is like if you want the best sim equipment available, this is a new item that needs to be considered in, in your build. Um, I think that Rick Motec H pattern shifter was probably the best one out. This is probably taking that, taking that honor. I think that one that Joe has, it's like two grand, isn't it? Right. It's not cheap. <laughs> so this, but that one doesn't. Does Joe's do sequential or only eight? No, there's H. So. Basically, this one's half the price almost of that uh, in the same type, you know, in the same ballpark type of features. Wise, much better deal, right? That's what Carl Gosling was saying in the video, man. What a, what a steal, you know, for what you're getting for that price. Uh, it's it's a good it's a good deal. This next article that we're looking at, the uh, 12 best home racing simulator rigs. This, uh, I think we need to put on the website as a permanent resource. It's really good information. Not only does it have a ranking of, of their, their opinion of the top 12 rigs, but it tells you, it breaks down all of the things that you should consider. It's, it's basically rigs 101. It's the, it's the whole, it's an instruction manual on all the different classes and, and levels of of rig purchasing it's really well done isn't it i mean at the beginning they talk about stuff you need to consider like you know do you want a monocoque you want a full frame you want a wheel stand you want a turnkey rig you know they, yeah they take everything that you want to want to consider price accessories upgradeability, motion it just divides up every it's like all of the elements of of what that'll go into a rig and then it, they pick their top. Well, how do you it, gets, it gets a little ridiculous near the end there as you go down it. I don't know if it's the top. I, I mean, they call it the 12 best home racing sim rigs. And they, they, they give you a variety, that's for sure. How can they put, like, some of these in here if they haven't even purchased? Like, there's no purchase price for it. So how could there be a a consensus on how good it is if there's not a, a bunch of people that have tried you know used it so i'm going to list a few off so the oh. next level racing fgt cockpit which is kind of a step up from that foldable one we talked about that i racing came out with 500 bucks then the fanatec cockpit yeah we've talked about most of these rigs we've covered all of them yeah, you know, you got you got the Aston Martin on here. You start jumping into the six figure rigs, and then the last ones are to, to be determined. It's pretty, 
it's it's a good variety, but it's talk. So it's their top twelve is not really necessarily a top twelve, or it's just a. I think it's a, like probably what they think is the best bang for each price range. The the thing that I find is funny is Fanatec ha- their cockpit hasn't been relevant for years. Nope, like, it's not talked about very much at all, and I don't even know how. M- I, I can't remember the last person I've heard that's one. purchased one. Right, so yeah, nobody. It's. I mean, I've seen some people that Fanatec's given it away to some uh, streamers and stuff like that, but I've never seen. I've never seen it brought up. Like you know, we talk about there. There could have been more choices. Like uh, what is it? The uh, you know. Uh, the ones you have, David, like that. Yeah, Simlabs. Simlabs, Simlabs is missing. Uh, do, they even, do they even have an 8020 on here? I don't even know if they No, yeah, they don't. Say. So, I mean, like when you pick 12, uh, you know, it, it, there's so many out there. I mean, how do you, and how do you miss the Simlab P1X? Because that's so popular, you know? That's the one that the most of the NASCAR guys had, right? Yeah, well, 8020 is one. The SimSpeed, that for, was it for Chad, the Chad guy that made some. So these are all more custom, more specifically customizable. Well, not custom rigs, but specifically designed rigs instead of just people who throw together 820 wish Wishless rigs, maybe? Well, I think more? the article is just to kind of show the variety. I mean, they start with a $500 one and they end up with a, you know, $138,000 one, you know. But they, you know, the CXC simulation one, uh, at 108,000, um, you know, that one's been around forever. They're out of California. We haven't talked about them for a couple of years, but man, they, they have some good stuff, but man, 108,000. I I, and I also don't understand the one thing I don't, it, it's a great, great article to get you the basis on it, but of all the VRs they chose to, uh, once again, show it's one that's not one that people will be buying, would it? No. So what's the, it just seems odd. It's, it, it seems like it's showing you what future stuff might look like or what the, what people, you know, really desire that don't purchase. Greg, tell us about this, uh, aim sports dash. This looks pretty interesting. So, uh, at aimsports.com, they're offering a, a variety of racing dashes, but, uh, the one we got are the, they have a, I guess, are we trying to plug one of them here, Mike, or are we just going to try and plug them all? Well, I think, no, I don't think there's a specific one, but they have a bunch of them, like you said, uh, so take your pick. I mean, I think anyone that has, uh, uh, you know, any idea of what they would are liking, this, this site has different versions of all their, you know, dashes from around uh, IndyCar 1 to, you know, um, square, um, and, and they're all really nice setups. Um, I think, I think this is the thing we're seeing now. Like, uh, it looks like dashes are becoming a, a newer thing where, you know, where they're starting to become more prevalent with stuff instead of people using their phones and stuff for, and tablets, I guess. So you can actually buy these in the marketplace now. Now these are dashes for real race cars and real, uh, you know, vehicles now if you scroll down you'll see they have a sim racing specific one for sim racing and so that one yeah i clicked on that and it shows it installed on a rig and it's got the the rpms across the top and you know your your gauges below on the on the screen a nice plastic kind of uh 
an enclosure that it's mounted in. Uh, it's pretty cool. I don't know. I just feel like a, a cell phone is just easier, though. Um, you know, well, if you buy a specific dash, um, it's authentic, but it's not flexible, right? Um, I I find it pretty particularly handy to just have the JRT flash or or dash floating, um, which isn't flexible, but it has everything I need on there. Uh, but you're not going to need the same dash information from a cup car as you're going to need when you're in, in a hybrid prototype, right? Yeah, I run sim racing apps on my cell phone, um, and I basically do an RPM gauge is what I use on it. I have done the JRT uh, dash that you're talking about, which has tons of information, um, and I kind of switch back and forth between those. But this is a dedicated display. Like, if you wanted to look really sharp, I mean, you'd, you'd get something like this. I don't have a price, so you know what that means. This next piece of software might be something kind of like along the same lines as what uh, I know Greg uses his Xbox controller to control cameras. It's a camera rotation management feature called Live Companion. Yeah, this is fascinating. It's at iPitting.com, which we've talked about before, but they have this new thing, the camera's rotation. Well, actually, it's called Live Companion is the name of it. But it manages a playlist of camera views. And it's great for streaming endurance races or while your teammates are driving or even if you just walk away from the keyboard. And it basically puts the cameras on an automatic rotation, uh, you know, so it looks pretty. It, it, it's basically using a software to simplify trying to create the cameras in iRacing because trying to create the cameras in iRacing is, is not the easiest thing to um create something where it switches between them and create your own broadcast. So this is, this is generating a broadcast, um, you know, style for yourself. It says you can save your camera playlist and choose different views and durations. You, um, and you name it. Yeah. I misunderstood how I was reading it. I thought it was used more for like, uh, designing videos, but this is for the, for live streaming when you're not in the car, or maybe if you have a, uh, some people do old count, right? And they'll be racing on one stream or on one page and then have another to send a broadcast as well. That would probably be very handy with this or if you're AFK because it's actually just rotating through the different cameras on a, on a timer, on a frequency. That's, that's pretty handy. That would, that would really be good. Like, uh, you know, David, like we stream for like the endurance events. So when we're not in the car, you know, that takes over. If you wanted to leave your stream up, you know, you've got a great broadcast in the meantime, right? Yep. And you have to be, if you're in VR, you also have to be a little bit careful when you, when you leave to go stream, because <laughs> you have to make sure you set your V your headset a certain way and then reset the camera. And if you put it upside down, then people will be staring at the ground for two hours. Pretty cool. I don't know. I, I, if I get some time, I might check that out. It's at iPitting.com called live companion. And you have to subscribe to their, Oh, yeah, fitting pro program to use it, right? I don't know. I think the fitting pro, yeah, it says a ten dollar, ten euro dollars or whatever. I see. They have all kinds of neat stuff. This is just one thing that I picked to go over, but uh, they have a dozen different things. Will Ford uh, with Boosted Media, he has a review on his channel of the Simcore UM1. Uh, motor mount, and there's more letters in there, but I don't feel like reading them. Uh, 
I didn't watch the video specifically, but just glanced through, and it looks like it has a lot of good adjustability, and it can hold both the SimuCube and or, well, or, I guess, the uh, direct drive options. What's neat about this mount, it's a side mount, but you can do angles. You can, like, twist it where it's angled up a little or angled down a little bit, and it, it mounts right to the 8020 uh profile um pretty cool you know i always thought when i get a new rig am i going to do a side mount or a bottom mount and i, I still think i'm going to do a, a a bottom mount just so it's compatible with anything you know if you buy these side mounts for a specific motor then you get a different kind of motor you pretty much don't have a way to mount it right you just get a different side mount that's yeah that's not true. particularly expensive that's like, i guess that's why i always you know, preferred the flat base because I know it's going to be compatible with anything I put on it. But nonetheless, pretty cool. So rumor has it the DDs, the CSL DDs are getting out there. Some people are starting to receive them. I know we have a couple of guys who are looking forward to them. And we have a couple of reviews that I think this this might be the last topic we, we hit today on hardware. But uh, I didn't get to watch the, the one with uh, that uh, Carl did. But I was able to kind of sneak over to the final section of the the other guy we have on here, uh, on his channel. And he actually said he likes it a little bit better, particularly in the 8 nanometer version, than the DD-1. He says it has some better mid-power response. Yeah, I watched uh, portions of both of these videos to kind of get a feel for the CSL DD. And uh, these are production uh, reviews of production models. Now, the reviews that we saw a couple months ago were were prototype kind of uh, models. And so these are the ones that are actually going out to people. And so, uh, yeah, if you're buying one of these, uh, you should probably take time and look at these videos and try to learn as much as you can about them. I would, anyway. Well, do you want to hit any more topics, or are we ready to jump over to the results? Well, let's hit on to results. We got the NIS. The Not Brickyard. Oh, right? is that what we called it? Uh, that's what I, I titled it, yeah, perfectly. It's it's not the Brickyard, right? Because it's the road course. Uh, right. Looks like you got a P17, Mike. P17. It was not a bad start, actually. I was getting some spots. I had gotten up to seventh before someone ran over me from behind, not once, but twice. <laughs> I soldiered on, uh, you know, on a crappy track. I really don't like this track. I, I think the sight lines on some of the corners are they're so flat, it's hard to see where the braking points are. I, I don't know. I, it just rubs me the wrong way. But the one thing you can say is you held on to your splitter. Yeah, rip that off. And you got a P16, David, top split. <laughs> yeah, top split. Um, it was funny listening, going back and listening to the results sections last week after doing the editing, because uh, I Wednesday I had a, actually a P22, and it was not Rex or anything. It was just the pace I had. Um, not particularly fast at this track, but I had I had tightened my throttle up uh, to try to make it to try to keep from spinning out even more and i had i had gone too far with it and was and it was almost like it would stick and then jump and it made it a lot yeah i was actually doing myself harm by having the uh 
the throttle so tight. So I went back Friday and loosened it back up a little bit more to where I had it had it was easier to be smoother with it. It had a pretty good result. And even though you know I was just running mid pack, um, I had several guys. We were all fighting for that P15, P16 spot but ran it clean and that actually made it a little bit more irritate or not irritating entertaining than some of the other road races tend to be because you usually just get so strung out with no with no cautions or anything so not bad all right and then greg you glitched out yeah i think david and i had a little bit of a conversation about this because you were trying to figure out like i had two fridays in a row where i had technical difficulties and I ended up um, resetting my computer and doing a whole graphics reconfig on after that night, and it seemed to, everything seems to be back to normal. We'll see if I how Friday night goes this week, um, if I have problems internet-wise or whatever it was. But for some reason, the track kind of just like disappears for a second, and I ended up in the wall, and it just nothing, nothing worked uh, for a second there, and then it just erases over when you don't know where you are. Yikes, so were you actually losing your entire screen? I don't. What happened was, is it it, it stuttered like really hard, but it, but there was a spike on. I have that counter in the right the right hand corner, and it did a whole bunch of different things on every, on a bunch of them. And I've had that page fault one bouncing a little bit here lately too. So I'm not sure. I got to figure out some things, but. Doing the graphics config and reinstalling the drivers for NVIDIA seemed to sort most of the problems out that I had uh, in the last couple of weeks, especially within the VR. Going on with some of the other teammates, uh, Kyle, he took P7 starting P14th. He got collected in a netcode rig, had a little damage all the way back to 26 and then made his way back up to third. Avoided some big wrecks, fought hard, and this can't be the road course because it came down to a green-white checker. He must have put his information in the wrong spot. That's, that's his Michigan range. That's his that's, range that must be his time. Michigan range, yeah. Okay, so doesn't look like he ran, uh, I don't think he ran Friday night. So we were telling you about his Michigan race, so I'll just go ahead and finish telling you about his Michigan race. So it did come down to the green white checker and he was P3 with one to go. Uh, he was pressuring P2, dropped down. He got he got the guy's left uh, rear and he instantly fell back to P10, but was able to work back up to the P7. Uh, he had a fan of the show in the race who reached out to him and he uh, says he can't remember the guy's name. Sorry about that, but he's... Uh, he wanted him to know he I'm sorry he says the guy probably knows who he is and he thanks for him for the support of the show okay that was a mouthful let's move on to Michigan uh, we'll start with uh, Wednesday open David P29 yeah uh, there was a there were, man they were racing crazy I was car 36 in the top split and it, all the pros were in there I guess they wanted to come out and just relive the horrors of Tuesday night and um, it was, uh, we were running four wide and I was going white knuckled and just saying, stay in my lane, stay in my lane. And I was like, not, I, I don't want to be in the wreck. I don't want to, I definitely don't want to get out of lane, get out of line and cause the wreck. I uh, managed to get surviving each time and it would get a little strung out, but there was a big one towards the front when I was about P15 and this guy did not hold his brakes. Uh, we've heard this before. So he's spinning, doing his best Nancy Kerrigan impersonation. Goes to the inside, but because he stayed off the brakes, he start he starts coming right back up to the top, and I'd already committed there. 
and was nearly stopped, but the, he actually spun and slapped me with his car because of the spin, and it was two minutes of damage. Nothing I could do at that point. Okay. And I missed last night at a birthday party. And so I ran today, Thursday open, P8. A man, I'll take it. I got caught up in the first caution and many other cautions. I had a slight damage, but was a, a little bit slow, still had my RPMs, but I persevered. And with a late caution, I actually gained a bunch of spots with people wrecking out. The thing is, is when everyone's scrambling on these restarts, what I find is if you go to the inside, they wreck and they usually go to the outside. And so there were several times in this race where they wrecked and I dove to the inside to miss it and it, and it worked out. So that's my tip for the day. Uh, Tony Rochette was in my uh, split as well. Uh, he didn't have as, as much luck as I did and he actually got wrecked out in one of those cautions really bad. And uh, he was down to 1700 RPM and like 10 minutes damage. So he parked it. Mike, my, my, uh, we forgot my, I forgot to put my Wednesday night down. I finished sixth in the open um, there, and uh, I was involved in a couple incidents. I missed a couple wrecks, but I was involved in one early where I got pinched into the wall, and I had about 22 seconds worth of damage that just kills your straightaway speed. If you have, if you look at the car wrong, it slows it down at Michigan. It, any little nick or anything on the car, your straight line speed sucks. And then by the time, when I got into the longer runs, you just, you fade because you can't keep the momentum up because you just don't have the aerodynamics anymore. And we got, I got lucky with a lot of cautions late that took people out and just was in the right spot with the right time with the right tires. Cause like I said to David, I said, a lot of the guys pitted in the middle of that race and were already three tires of the four tires in and it just helped to have saved tires and eventually got them at the end. Right, Jumping up into the uh, official series, we've got uh, a B open. Is it Tyler that ran this? It doesn't really say. I don't know who five. that is, so I was going right. to skip that. Mystery mystery top five for a uh, somebody, for somebody a on the team, right? <laughs> somebody got a P five. Uh, I was I uh, was at Sebring in the uh, Euro series, one of my favorite tracks, and took two wins there. One right. of them was really hard fought too. We were going back and forth. The other one wasn't so hard fought. Hard fought. It was pole to pole. Let's move on to leagues and hosted the fast track sim racing league on Monday. David P two. Yeah, and this was a gifted P two. Uh, I messed up early, put her in the wall. Uh, just you know that track trying to get what I could out of it. And um, but the cautions fell my way. Right, I would have. I probably would have been like eighth or ninth, but the cautions fell my way right towards the end, and I was able to sneak back up to second. All right, and Greg, you get it done. P one, gifted. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I shouldn't have finished second. Yeah, I, I know. I, I got your gist. Yeah. Um, it was that was a fun race. Um, I like I said to the guys in the chat afterwards. Um. I don't think I've seen so many guys on our team practice for anything than that race there because it was, we didn't have any NIS setups to or practice in those at all during the week. So David, I don't know, you threw up one or two rooms once and then Bobby threw up a couple rooms and we were just basically practicing. We we're going through setups and I found something late 
in the actual race practice, or, or sorry, early in the, in, the, in the practice, and the setup was just fast. And I sat on the pole with it, and me and Jeff pulled, a, pulled out on the field, and so did uh, Wes was with us in the league, and I got away. I thought it was gonna go green. I honestly thought that was gonna be one of those races that was just gonna go green and we we're gonna try a pit strategy. And I just stayed up front most of the race and we got late cautions there. David had me nervous cause he had tires and he was making his way up through the field. And uh, we, we kind of didn't take tires, me and a couple guys, just cause we didn't know if there was gonna be late cautions. And you know, David ran a different setup than what I ran. And a couple guys, I think, I don't know, Mike, did you run the same setup as me? But some of the guys said it was tight from too tight for them. It, it just, it was fast. And I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoy racing in this league because it seems to harness a lot of the strategy part that we don't get in NIS anymore. Nice win. Uh, my run was a P13. I started in the back, total back was P11 going into the first stop. Now, I'm really, really proud of that. I mean, to come from like 25th or whatever it was up to 11th, you know, without any cautions, it was a good run uh, going into the first stop. Now, the second run, I was tight, tight, tight. Now, I forgot to make any changes. So for the third run, I ended up loosening it, loosening it up uh, and I got my speed back for that final run. But the caution came out right after I pit it. I mean, this is the third week this has happened uh, in this series or in this league uh, where I, I get caught out on a caution, uh, I think. And uh, so it put me way back. I lost my track position. Um, I had to take a wave around. I think it was 17th, but made it back to 13th. Tony, he finished 14th. He said, new to the league, was conservative on the first run. Probably would have had a top five or 10 with a one-stop strategy. Damn, caution screwed that up. So yeah, Tony had made it to halfway, I think a little past halfway actually, uh, trying to do the one-stopper. We had a little bit of an argument with this because I don't know how the math really would have worked out because I was I had stopped I already and already done a full pit stop and was caught up with him on the track. Um, so I don't know how it would at that point we both just had one more stop to make so I don't know how it would have worked out or not because I was running ninth when I had caught him okay and then we also had a Joe Owen P10 a nice run for him uh, Bobby uh, Jonas had a P23 and Stephen Lowen P24 don't have notes on those I know Steve said he just felt like he was slow he didn't know what was wrong all right, that was fun. Let's go to hosted. Uh, I put up uh, a time in the radical on the Mount Washington. I, I took note of that. Six minutes, nine seconds. Uh, and then we have the OBRL Aftermath Truck Series. Congratulations, Steve Thompson in the Ride TV 67 winning the Aftermath uh, Podcast Truck Series race at Michigan. We have Eddie Jones second and Al Turner third. And then in the uh, iRacing iRock Challenge Series Season 3, it looks like Kyle brought in the uh, P14. He said he couldn't stop making from mistakes and going into the front stretch bus stop and would end up with a lot of locked up front tires and front splitter damage. The truck was junk after the 35 five laps, so he just parked it. That was, They were at the road course. 
GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder Finder.com, the home of online sim racing leagues. All right, final thoughts. Right, David Hall. Uh, looking forward to running Silverstone this weekend, and my, I might get some other races in. Uh, it's marching season, and we're actually competing this year. So, yeah, not as much time for racing, but that's fine. Uh, got other things I like to do too. All right, very good. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Uh, I'm just looking forward to another race on Friday night at Michigan where hopefully you don't tear up a car. Um, but you know, I, I like the list of tracks that David, uh, said there for the road racing to do some road racing this weekend. I don't know how much David's going to get a chance to do, but him and I usually jump on and try and do some if we can. looks like Sunday nights we've been able to do it. Um, but yeah, we'll run some events and, uh, do a bunch of that. Uh, Look forward to Monday night in the fast track racing league too at Michigan to see how the other the other guys uh, do it do at that track. Okay, and my final thoughts: I'm also excited for Michigan after a P8 uh, earlier today with damage, and just imagine you know how I could run without any damage. And so if I can just survive these cautions, I think I have a chance of, of, of winning one of these things. Um, so I'm looking forward to Friday night. Now, until we get there, I'm probably going to run the hill climb. Like, I, like I've been talking about all night tonight, I love this hill climb. And um, it just boggles my mind that I'm 43 seconds off Josh Edmondson's time that he put up. 43 seconds off. I mean, and you know what? That was a fast lap for me. That was, you know, I put up a 557 and I... I, I trim seven seconds off of it and i was a 550 and i'm still 43 seconds off this guy i don't know where i'm gonna find 43 seconds on that mount but i'm sure as hell gonna try uh, i don't think i'll ever find it I, i'm gonna try to get another 20 or something but that's my goal i, I just want to have a competitive time i thought i had a competitive time but i obviously don't so so after this are you gonna work on a nurburgring uh don't Mike, I don't know if you were around, um, but I made the comment <laughs> the other night. I said, you've practiced more on the mountain than you practice anywhere else. You know, you're right. And, you know, I've had so much fun with it. I haven't been on iRacing as much as when the dirt trucks came out. I think when the dirt trucks came out, I was on it this much, just, you know, running it like crazy. And when something new comes out like this, I'm going to do the same thing. And that's what I'm doing. I'm just having a blast with it. I challenge everybody, get on the mountain and see if you can make it. It is hard, because if it was easy, nobody would do it. So we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.